as people stay home and continue to stay home, that work landscape is going to change. And it really has blurred the lines between personal and work. Welcome to What's Ethical, a podcast sponsored by Warburton Advisors, where thought leaders engage on how they influence others and master ethical dilemmas, all with the aim towards helping listeners deliver a triple bottom line. My guest today is Amy Lazard, a data analytics and technology expert with a wide impact as she works on complex global issues. Amy is the co-founder and principal of Seafront Analytics. Prior to her current work, she developed invaluable expertise as a senior intelligence analyst in the public sector. She's also led teams in the private sector on the tech side. Thank you for joining me today, Amy. Thanks for having me. Let's go ahead and just kick it off. As I think I mentioned to you, many in the audience are heavy on regulations, operational processes, and legal, but they don't, they need it, but they don't necessarily have a deep analytics background. And maybe you could just share with us what made you decide to go into the field and and what do you really like about the work you do? Yeah, so I'm a, a naturally curious person and I had, uh, you know, a, several really good pushes for people who believed I would thrive in the analytics environment. Um, and from there, it was just a lot of hard work learning the craft of analysis and how to properly hone that skill over time. And you know, over those years and through my experiences, I've had, uh, you know, a number of opportunities to just be surrounded by some, uh, some folks that are in the discipline that are as passionate and creative as you can imagine. And they have provided a huge amount of encouragement to me over the course of my career when I needed it. But they've also provided me the kind of course correction that I needed to be a better analyst too, and to sort of rise up and be, you know, one of the best analysts that I think I could be, you know, during my career and and, and through my career. And I'm thankful for for all of those experiences, you know. And I and I do try to to pay that forward to analysts that work for me, and and also to to the clients that Seafront supports. I love it. It's uh, you talk about curiosity, creativity, and passion. You know, three adjectives you don't usually hear when you're talking about data analytics. I think more on the scientific side, but that's probably true for the compliance professionals listening as well. Which is, you really gotta you gotta have both skills in order to succeed in your career. And of course, for our podcast, we're also focusing on what's ethical. So as a foundational question for many of the podcasts, I'd, I'd love to have you join the ranks of other guests and and uh, give us a sense of what ethical conduct means to you, please. Oh, absolutely. So um, to me, ethical conduct is really about making the choice to do what's right all of the time, whether that means that you are providing, you know, and making that right decision in the face of criticism or pressure. Um, It means taking the extra time and care to ensure specifically when you're talking about uh, data uh, that you're, 
you know, properly vetting data and validating it and, and making sure that the information is is, is accurate as, as possible um, as you are getting ready to either integrate it into a product or to or to, to scrutinize it in a different way analytically. In my experience, most analysts have been trained properly and 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 they are applying a lot of the foundational principles of, of convergent and divergent thought, identifying bias, and, and in some cases, propaganda. And they're ensuring that the provenance and the content of data that they are analyzing absolutely stands up to scrutiny. Um, and I, I believe that that is an absolutely a core foundational component of, of ethical behavior, specifically when you're talking about analysis and data. I think that... Um, Again, in my experience, I believe that most people have a, a good sense of what is ethically correct, and they know when they're straying away from things that are right or true. You know, we all have that little voice in our head that guides us, um, and you know, with regard to ethical conduct, and and we should always listen to that voice, and we should never shut it down. And I think taking it back to the data analytics component, I think that means sometimes taking that, that second look at where data is coming from and how it's constructed. Even if you've been told that that particular you know, set of data or information that you're looking at is absolutely flawless or solid. Thank you. It's so interesting to hear you talk about the voice in your head and that it is a conscious choice. Everyone who's listening is combating fraud, right? As, as a, a risk personnel or a head of a business. And a lot of times, we talk about how can you be more effective? Can you get people to realize that the rationalizations that they're telling themselves, some behavioral economists call it fudge factor thinking, that they're really just ignoring that voice in their head, right? They do, many people, at least in our society, have already had the foundations of, of what we would consider commercially reasonable, using good business judgment, or you can use that loaded word about um, ethics, right? But we still see the same mistakes being made time over time. So it's interesting to hear you say that. So a lot of compliance folks will do go-to, which is training and tone at the top. But I, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your offerings because if if we all agree, which I think it is definitely a viable stance that there's a lot of training out there and people are more consciously making different decisions. When you work with your clients, I know that you have a lot of clients that are um, tech companies that offer software as a service. Do you ever talk about building a framework I know that you do a lot of complex global work, like building a framework that will show the principals or show the board or whomever is surveilling data. So this way you can figure out when someone has made a choice that is to either manipulate the data. Maybe you can just give us a general sense of how you put that framework down so data is used to be objective. There's really two things that we're sort of Kind of pushing into the space, and that is from the technical application side. So from from the actual analytic platform side, we're looking at a couple of different things, and these are all I think all components of of the greater picture of how do you ethically operate inside of a technology space. 
So we're looking at the suitability, the feasibility, and scalability of, of technology, right? Um, and we're looking at how it's created, what it's created for, how data can flow through it. And when we're looking at the data side of things, we're really getting deep into the evaluation of the data's richness, its integrity, the timeliness, to name a few things, um, the provenance, how it can be used, you know, how it is compliant or not compliant with federal or global regulations or unique, you know, U.S. code for certain clients, and then providing awareness on areas where there might be a gap that needs to be addressed before something is incorporated into a wider workflow for whoever that client might be. So we we try very hard to basically be a sounding board for our clients to help them understand um, maybe where there are some pitfalls or some gaps and, and maybe where also um, data and tech together are absolutely hitting um, the ethics and compliance mark for them because ultimately that's going to help them either purchase the right thing or uh, push the right you know capability whether that's again tech or data into a wider space so that's you know we really pride ourselves on on trying to assist in, in that because you know all of those things all of all of those things that we've talked about which is you know how you can use data whether or not it meets certain criteria and this is true of course you know in the federal government as well as in the private sector if it doesn't meet a certain compliance level or then you can't use it you know there's absolutely a restriction on it and if and if you are going to use something you would have to have a justification for why it was absolutely necessary and then kind of move out from there. But again, we really do try to, to provide our clients and our associates with as much information as they possibly could have to make the best decision for them. As you talk about data and tech, sort of not commingling it, and it really is two different separate concepts, but when we as compliance officers are building compliance programs, whether it's to combat fraud through AML or otherwise, um, you know, they're the decision makers deciding which technology to use, but uh, absolutely knowing that really what it's doing is making sure you have an adequate compliance program, which means you get the data that you need in order to surveil. I just recently published an article in a compliance um, publication. It's called NSCP Currents. And I was proposing, um, and others have thought about this, which it doesn't exist yet, which would be a code of data ethics. So a company would upfront agree to a standard that uh, they, how they would use their data, whether it's the quality of data, if you don't have that quality, you won't use it, or if it's personal, confidential of different customers or end users that uh, you'd commit to not reselling it. Those types of concepts. Mm-hmm. Have, have you, do you know of any organizations that at least informally have talked about what we call data governance? I mean, I think it's, I think data governance is frankly on a lot of people's minds, specifically given some of 
the issues that we've seen, you know, over the last several years with regard to how open source data is used and how personally identifiable information or like information at, 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 at a individual level that could be very revealing about a unique person um, can be used to either manipulate them um, or it could be used to do all sorts of things that are ethically not correct. I think that that's on everyone's mind. And I think everyone wants, I think both on the, in the public and private sector are, are trying to figure out ways to navigate this space. I mean, it's, it's very difficult because the, the data landscape is changing every day. Um, and so as it changes, as more data come, becomes available, um, there's more things to consider when you are trying to either build compliance or build a framework of guidelines to help people utilize information in the appropriate way. The answer is I don't have an answer, more that I think people are wrestling with that on a, on a daily basis. And I don't know that we'll ever get to an absolute baseline agreed upon you know, set of rules, but I, I think that it's not for the lack of people not wanting that. I, I think that, again, you know, as, as people wrestle and organizations wrestle with this, things will become more clear, but it's just trying to get everyone on the same sheet of music and a, a general consensus across the board on what we, what we will do with data and what we will not do with data. And, and, and that's going to be the tough thing, I think. Yeah, well, it's interesting because right, awareness is the first step couple of years ago, even when you think of Mark Zuckerberg, uh, his testimony in front of Congress two springs ago, um, you know, that was sort of the first time we saw a lot of good discussion about what's appropriate and what's not when it comes to use of data. So we've come a long way in such a short time. So I'm optimistic about it. It is, and as you know, there's, there's these new laws, including the one in California, um, yep. which is really changing the conversation, even in the midst of, of this extraordinary year with with so many things going on. So as compliance officers are grappling with data maps, with grappling exactly as you had just said, especially in the fintech and blockchain space, right? Different users want the anonymity or not to have their information be linkable, right? Because it's not even PII anymore. It could just be someone has your profile and they can and they can misuse it if they can link all the data. So on one hand, you want to protect the customer, but on another hand, because of the laws, you need to do due diligence just like any money laundering or know your customer. So if you think about the upcoming year and you think about all of those challenges, what do you think would be something that risk personnel should really focus on in this environment? Separating out important from urgent and knowing if you can at least just focus on the bigger items and move the needle there, you're going to have a more effective compliance program. Obviously, 2020 has, I mean, started truly with a bang and, and has continued on being a very bizarre year of activity and, and issues. I think what's really interesting to me about what's going on now, particularly with COVID and the lockdown of, of so many people globally, 
is that there's a few things that are occurring. Probably more extraneous data is being generated as a result of people being home and having a little bit more flex time in their work schedules. And I wonder, and I, and I would think that many CISOs uh, and risk officers are looking at how to protect the new glut of really valuable data that is being generated by employees globally as a result of, of them spending more time bouncing between work applications and personal applications of their online uh, persona. And I wonder how that is going to change the landscape of how employers um, deal with PII, specifically, you know, on corporate-owned computers and uh, repo- data repositories. Uh, and I also wonder, you know, what that's going to do for the criminally-minded who are, you know, certainly chomping at the bit to take advantage of of all of that. And, and certainly, we've seen already stories of 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 people being taken advantage of. Um, you know, using different technologies or even pushing certain kinds of data inadvertently out into the tech wild. So I think that those are the kinds of things that I think about as far as, you know, what what do we need to get ahead of or what do we need to start considering with regard to how the future is going to look in the data and tech landscape? I think that we are going to be really dealing with, and, and, and Beth, you and I have talked about this a little bit, as people stay home and continue to stay home, that work landscape is going to change. And it really has blurred the lines between personal and work. And, I, and again, I, I think that that's going to have to be addressed because, again, the, the amount of information that is being generated as a result of those blurred lines is frankly quite vulnerable. So I think that that's going to have to be something that, that folks consider as they as they move out, you know, in 2020 and beyond. Thank you. Yeah, that vulnerability certainly is material. And and it's something to keep an eye on. Thank you so much for your time, Amy. This has been uh, really great. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much. Learn more about delivering a triple bottom line by visiting warburtonadvisors.com. And remember to share and like this podcast so others can find it more easily.